Isn't the point of traveling to get away from it all, to feel the best you've ever felt? Then maybe you should check out Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. When your trip comes to an end, you won't need another vacation because you just had the vacation. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Markia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Today, we're going to talk about free will. Do we really have free will? Free will to choose where we want to live, to choose who we want to hate, who we want to love, or is it simply our old habits coming back around to us, dressed in different clothes? Round and round it goes, because it's supposed to be part and parcel of being human that we have free will. It's promised to us. So therefore, it must be true, right? Because are we ever really acting of our own free will? All around us are unexplained scrapes or splashes, presences all around us. Who's to say they don't influence us? Some are guiding us while others are waiting to take hold and over our actions. At any moment, they might strike, taking away our final acts of free will. First, an accessory can transform your entire look. Next, a sinking feeling of dread at church camp. After that, the ghostly grip of the past tightens around our necks. And finally, you're not going crazy. A creepypasta written by Anonymous. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. And if you'd like to support Something Scary, consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, you can help the show and also be a part of it. Hear your name featured in a story on the podcast or weekly video and see ad-free episodes. For more information, visit patreon.com snarled. So, wanna hear something scary? The average person blinks around 29,000 times a day. So many small moments of darkness. It's something we don't think about often. That complete darkness for only a second. Nothing to worry about unless there was a threat lurking when you're not looking. Blink and you'll miss it coming for you. Maria was overjoyed when she had a weekend to herself home alone. Her parents and brother were traveling out of town for a chess tournament, so she had free reign of the place as long as she checked in with mom every night and morning. Friday night, she stayed up and watched movies alone on the couch. At midnight, the front door sensor rang, alerting her to movement outside. When she walked up to the digital screen to look at who was outside at this hour, no one was there. The only thing she saw was a rimmed hat lying on the ground. For a moment, she swore she saw fingers sliding underneath it. Maybe it was just the light playing tricks on her. 
Thoughts of the fingers faded away as she leafed through the mail she had collected earlier, and something caught her eye. There was a handwritten postcard addressed to the house's former owner, a Mr. King, the owner of the old hat parlor in town before he had died under mysterious circumstances. It was a thank you note that read, Dearest Mr. King, your exquisite hat makes me feel like a completely different person. I feel transformed. My Pazuzites will require more of your services soon. With utmost gratitude, Rose. Maria figured that maybe someone stopped by to return one of his creations. In any case, it was too late to go outside. She'd deal with the hat in the morning. In the morning, Maria was awakened by the doorbell. It was her friend, Teresa. Maria opened the door to find her wearing the hat on her head. Did you leave this outside? Teresa asked, taking the hat off and offering it to Maria. It's incredible. The hat was unique, but also unsettling. It looked like a magician's hat that you could pull a rabbit out of, but smaller and adorned with a red leather strip. When Maria touched it, the smell of leather hit her and made her stomach drop. She couldn't bear the thought of an animal being used for fashion. Plus, the hat itself just flat out gave her the creeps. You can have it if you want it, she said, handing it back to her friend. As Teresa put it back on her head, a shadow fell across her face for an instant. In that instant, a shadowed face of a stranger looked back at her. Maria blinked, and her friend looked normal again. The girls spent the whole day lazing around on the living room couch. They binge-watched their favorite shows until it got dark. Teresa's stomach rumbled loudly. It was almost midnight. She looked over at Maria. Her friend was fast asleep. Not wanting to wake her, Teresa went to the kitchen to heat up a small frozen pizza in the microwave. As the timer counted down on her food, the microwave began to flicker. In its dark reflection, Teresa didn't recognize her own face. And as she blinked, her face continued to transform. She felt her mouth begin to stretch. The hat. There was something sinister about the hat, something incredibly wrong with it. Blink. She held her hands to her face. Her fingers were stretched. They were longer. Blink. She felt her eyes begin to protrude bigger and out of their sockets. Blink. She dropped unconscious on the kitchen floor as the microwave timer went off. Maria was jolted awake by the sound. When had it gotten so dark? Groggily, she looked at the clock in the living room. It was already past midnight. The sound of the beeping microwave drew her towards the kitchen. Teresa? She called out, but nobody was there. The back door was open. The back security monitor lit up as the motion detector went off. Outside, she saw a figure wearing a hat in the distance. The now familiar red strip caught her eye. She stepped outside, semi-shutting the door behind her. Teresa, hey, your pizza is going to get cold. Blink. Maria blinked, and Teresa was suddenly closer. Under the hat, her face seemed to shift in the shadows. Something was wrong. Are you okay? She asked, blinking again. Blink. Her gaze fixated on the suddenly horrifying creature in the hat wearing Teresa's clothes. It stood frozen with its long fingers stretched out towards her. The same fingers she had glimpsed slipping under the rim of the hat the night before. That postcard. I feel transformed. Mr. King's hat was the vehicle for this dark creature, and Teresa had become its host. Blink. It was closer, halfway to her. It had no eyes on its face, two gaping nostril holes, and two rows of sharp, bloody teeth. It was paused in mid-step, but as she blink, it's in front of her. 
The creature's frozen smile was wide as it waited for her to blink again. Maria's eyes watered as she tried to hold them open, reaching behind her for the doorknob, for the safety of the house. Horrified and trying her best not to shut her eyes, they began to burn, and reflexively she blink. The creature dug its fingers into her eyes. Without Maria's gaze, it was free to roam and to feed. Neither girl was found the next day. No trace of them. All that remained was the fancy hat with the red strip sitting patiently by the back door. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Church camp is a rite of passage for many. At a young age, we're susceptible to events that shape our faith of what lies beyond. Like in this story, inspired by Elizabeth. It was a Monday in 2019. The church I attended was going to a five-day summer retreat. My mom signed me up to go and I was excited because my best friend Carly was going too. When we arrived at church camp, there were a bunch of cabins, a fire pit, and many other things. I looked at Carly and we smiled. This would be a blast. Our cabin had two rows of bunk beds. The beds were all assigned by the counselors and we shared a fully functional bathroom. After we packed, I heard a girl named Toya talking about anime. We hung out and gushed with her over My Hero Academia until it was time for chapel. Overall, the first day was pretty normal. But while we were walking back to our cabins to get ready for bed, I noticed an abandoned cabin with red curtains. I stopped in front of it. Toya and her friend Mika walked up to me asking what was wrong. What's with that cabin? Is anyone using it? I didn't know why, but I was drawn to the cabin. I just was. Mika explained that the camp had been around for a while. A long time ago, there was a girl who stayed in that cabin. That no one knows exactly how it all started, but everyone thinks a few of the boys from the other side of the camp were the ones that did it. Did what? I asked. Mika replied, they drowned her because they thought she practiced witchcraft. They pulled her out of the cabin, through the window with the red curtains, tied a heavy weight around her ankle, and threw her in the lake. Her body was never found, and the cabin has never been used by campers since that night. Were the killers caught? I asked. Mika shook her head. The killers were never found. I didn't ask any more questions. Toya, Mika, and me went back to the cabins. We all got in our beds and slept, but I didn't sleep well. I was so curious about the cabin. Dusk the next day, while I was passing the same abandoned cabin, I noticed that the window was open. 
I was certain it had been closed before. The thought nagged at me until close to bedtime. Carly asked me to accompany her to fill the cabin's pitcher with water, so I tagged along. When we passed the cabin, not only was the window open, but now I could see wet footsteps leading up to it. And inside, I swear, there was a girl with dripping hair and a rotting face. She smiled at me. I started freaking out and rushed back to our cabin. I had trouble sleeping all night. The next day after chapel, Toya, Mika, Carly, and I went swimming. There was a diving board at the lake and the water was deep. We had all been jumping off of it and laughing. That wasn't until Toya jumped. We were laughing as usual until I realized that she hadn't come back up yet. I put on goggles and looked underwater. She was near the bottom moving around, but it looked like she was fighting to get up, waving her arms frantically and kicking her legs, but somehow she was sinking. I quickly swam over to her and grabbed onto her, pulling her up. It looked like another girl was pulling her down. Her face was rotting and her eyes glazed over. I screamed, letting loose precious air as I was being dragged down along with Toya. Suddenly, I was grabbed from above. It was the lifeguard. Toya and I were yanked up. The corpse girl below sank back down to the dark, smiling up at us. Who, what was that? I shouted frantically as the lifeguard helped Toya recover. Carly and Mika rushed us, and I explained to them what I saw under the water. Mika shifted her feet and whispered to us that it was said that the ghost girl still roamed the camp, that when she noticed someone she liked, she'd claim them. There'd been a number of unexplained accidents at church camp before, and whenever someone described who was seen last in the vicinity, it always seemed to be a drenching, wet girl smiling with long hair. Our little camp crew kind of fell apart after that, and Toya withdrew the most from everyone else. When I got home and my mom asked what I did that week, I told her everything, except for that thing in the water. To this day, what I experienced has affected my faith and what I believe happens to us in the afterlife, because one day, whether I want to or not, I'll find out what that thing was for sure. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for sharing your experience with us. That is horrifying. The afterlife is a mystery to most of the living, and every now and again, we get a glimpse into what is beyond, but that doesn't mean that that glimpse is something that we want to see. So for our listeners out there, have you ever got that sinking feeling while at camp, but were afraid to tell anyone? Well, your secret is safe with me and all of our podcast listeners. Go ahead and share your experience with us at somethingscary at snarled.com. Scary Story Podcast brings original, short, scary stories right to your ears every week. Like Dead of Night, the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation. Or another recent one, The Delivery, where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight. Have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long-lost memory? My name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. 
The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast. Often, connecting with your ancestral roots can be a joyous experience. Just don't get too comfortable, or you might find yourself in a hair-raising predicament. Like in this story inspired by Ashiker. Anjali was born and raised in the U.S., and finally, as a teenager, she was now visiting her homeland, India, for the first time. The Rajai house was expansive and had been the home to the Rajai family for years, and all her ancestors, great-uncles, and aunts had lived here before. The house gave off an unfamiliar yet comfortable feeling, and she was eager to explore. One of the most noticeable parts of the house was the giant banyan tree entwined with the sarut. Although culturally, the banyan was considered a place that held and attracted negative energies, the tree itself was filled with life, for it was home to many chirping birds, skittering critters, buzzing insects, and more. There were old pictures all over the walls of her family's home, of her great-great-grandparents, great-uncles, and her infamous great-aunt Alpuna. Anjali heard the sad story of Alpuna's life, death, and curse from her grandmother. Alpuna Rajai had died unmarried at a young age of 21. For a young woman in the 1920s, it was a surprise that she had not taken a spouse. What had happened was, Alpuna had continuously upset the guru at a temple for being outspoken and not behaving as a woman was expected back then. It was taken as a sign of disrespect and in front of the congregation admonished her for acting that way because she was cursed. Her community believed the guru, turned on her, and deemed her cursed self as being unworthy of being married off. She became a hermit at the estate, wandering the grounds and spending more and more time outside underneath the great banyan tree. Eventually, she started to refuse to eat. One day, her body was found lifeless by the tree, and that is when her curse took a new turn. They set upon death the negative energies surrounding poor Alpuna, and further strengthened by the banyan tree, had warped her spirit into a shakchuni, a malicious, vengeful spirit unable to find true peace. Her grandmother insisted that spirit remained anchored in this world by the tree and was biding its time until it could destroy another life like Alpuna's. Anjali felt sad for Alpuna and also didn't like the thought of having to hide her whole self to fit some archaic societal standards. To think, if she'd been alive back then, she too might have been considered cursed, just like her great-aunt had been. While she continued visiting her home estate every year, even though she wasn't superstitious, she would also avoid the giant banyan tree on its grounds, just in case. Years passed by and a 21-year-old Anjali entered a new chapter of her life. She had met an amazing man, Aruf, and after agreeing to marry him, she took him back to her hometown to get him acquainted with her extended family and to plan getting married on the estate grounds. It would be a decision she would regret. Ever since the first day she arrived with Aruf, the atmosphere seemed different from previous visits. 
Her youngest great-aunt, Jamila, would make jokes, saying that at least Anjali would get married by the time she was 22, but only if Alpuna's Shakchuni would let her. It wasn't a very funny joke to Anjali. Anjali was never a believer in the supernatural, but things began happening. They made her start to feel troubled about her and Aruv's safety. Shortly after they'd arrive, Aruv pulled her aside, asking her if there was a young lady in the house, perhaps in her early 20s. Was she possibly an ayah, a maid? He had seen her under the banyan tree and had felt incredibly uncomfortable as she had stared at him walking by. Anjali was sure that there were no maids or women in the house of that age. Out of curiosity, Anjali finally sat under the large banyan tree with her hair down, picking marigolds, and it felt as if someone was pulling at her hair. When she looked back, there was no one there. Thinking that it had been a branch or something, she ignored it. Then it happened again. She reached up to tie her hair up, but just then, she felt something wrap around her neck. It felt as if someone was choking her. So she sprang up and left, gasping, rubbing her neck, as sure as ever that something was not right. As their wedding drew near, Aruv began to complain, telling her to stop touching his face at night while he slept. Anjali knew she wasn't the one doing it, but it took the biggest turn when one night, Anjali woke up sweating with a great headache. On the verge of an asthma attack, she jumped out of bed, only to find the window facing the banyan tree wide open. Facing the window, she watched in horror as the figure of a woman wearing a bridal sari and veil started to form beneath the tree. As the form became clearer and clearer, it swept the veil back, revealing its face. It looked like a twisted, malicious look-alike of her great-aunt Alpuna. She wanted to believe this was a dream, but she was wide awake, shaking, unable to move as the Shakuna began haltingly heading towards her and her sleeping fiancé. A slow march, almost as if it was fighting against itself, but still, it came closer and closer to the open window. Anjali was frozen in place, whimpering as she watched this twisted monster, this Shakchuni approach, until sunlight poured into the east sky and the figure faded away. Just before it did, Anjali could swear she saw the tear-stained face of her great-aunt appear for a moment, mouthing, Dorna, which means run. Immediately, she closed the windows and fell to her knees in front of the statues of gods and goddesses, begging for safety. When she was able to collect herself, she went to a priest and got some sacred water and mantras for protection. Anjali and Aruv left that day and did not return to this state until after they had married and even then would never stay the night. Anjali was now possibly safe from the Shakchuni, but for the sake of her future children, she began searching for ways to free her great aunt, to try to break the evil oath that had turned her into a Shakchuni and finally give the vengeful spirit peace. Thank you so much, Ashikur, for the inspiration of this story. Right before a person gets married can be a very vulnerable time, open to the guidance and obstruction of spirits. Well, really, with any big chapter in your life about to end and another one begin. So for you out there, do you have any fictional stories based on mythology you grew up on? 
send them to us. Something scary at snarl.com. And now, an anonymous story from the dark well of creepypastas. You're not going crazy, wherein a mysterious visitation leads to an unexpected invitation. It was the dead of night when the noises started. Sophie had always been a light sleeper, and she woke up almost instantly. What had woken her? The noise came again, sort of a scritchy sound that seemed to be coming directly from her left. Probably just a tree branch scraping the house. It kind of sounded like it could be. Sophie tried to tell herself that's what it was, but she didn't really believe it. She pulled the covers closer, palms sweating. There was the scratching again. It had moved closer to her head. Tree branches didn't move. Her heart began to race and her hands started to shake. It came again, louder, closer. Should she get up and turn on the light? Get up and go to her parents' room? No, don't move. Um, what was that? Stay put, don't move. Okay, there was a weird voice in her head. Not good. Building up her courage, she ripped off the covers and ran for the door. Sophie raced down the hall and slammed the bedroom door behind her. The scritching stopped. Grabbing blankets from the guest bedroom, she flopped onto the couch and stayed there. Her parents would wonder why she was there in the morning, but it didn't matter. Eventually, Sophie fell asleep. Sophie worried about the voice all the next day. It had been very strange. She considered telling someone, but they would just think she was crazy. Maybe she had just been dreaming or hearing things or only half awake. As the day wore on, she grew more and more apprehensive. That night, despite her better judgment, she went back to her room. She was fine. It was just one weird occurrence. Sophie stayed up for a while, reading with the light on. I should turn off the light. The thought wasn't hers. It had come out of nowhere, but something else would say you, not I, right? Anyways, it was getting late. Yes, it's late, and I should turn off the light. Hearing voices was bad. Sophie had watched enough horror movies to know that, but this is different. This is my voice. I shouldn't worry about it. I, I guess it's okay, isn't it? Yes. It's okay. I should turn off the light now. Sophie hesitantly turned off the light. She held her breath, as if expecting to happen. Nothing's going to happen. I'm just being weird. Yep, it must have just been that noise last night. Freaked me right out, but I should try to go to sleep now. Yes, I should go to sleep. Sophie tossed and turned, trying to get comfortable. It was very hot in there. She finally fell asleep. But just after midnight, the scritching started again. It was just a tree branch. No, it wasn't a tree branch. It was a tree branch scratching the house. Hey, I'm telling this story here. No, you're not. I am. Stop it. Never. So the tree branch continued to scratch. Sophie lay very still, 
but it's just a tree branch. I shouldn't worry. Yeah, just a tree branch. But she just couldn't shake the feeling that it was very hot in the room. No, she couldn't get comfortable because it was so hot. Ugh, go away. Let me tell my story. Please, just let me finish the story, okay? Fine. No more interruptions. I promise. Great. So, Sophie just couldn't shake the feeling that it wasn't a tree branch. That it was some sort of horrid creature scratching along the side of her house. But it's hot. I should open up a window. I guess it's a little warm, but... I should open up a window. Fine. Fine. I'll open a window. Sophie got up and opened the window. She peered out, half expecting something to happen. When nothing did, she let out a sigh of relief. Suddenly, a scaly, ugly hand shot out and snatched her wrist, dirty nails digging into her flesh. Sophie shrieked. The hand dragged her forward out the window. She yelled louder. Upstairs, her parents heard the scream and abruptly, Sophie was never seen again, just like you. Wait, what? You said you would leave me alone until the end of the story. And we have reached the end. No, please. No, I have a family and friends. You should have thought about that before you wrote about me. But wait, please. <gasps> and you, listener, I see you too. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markia McCarty, Sabina Graves, and James Carter II. Narration by Markia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Linderman. Graphics by Johnny Ashley, produced by Annalise Nelson. Music by Sapphire Sandalo. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings, sweet dreams.